live. All right, welcome to Hebrews and Talks episode so nine, I believe. Nine. Yeah, nine. Nine, nine is correct. <laughs> <laughs> episode nine. Yeah, episode nine. Um, what kind of mug you got today? I have <laughs> the classic, how does Jesus make his coffee? He brews it. All right, I got my, I'll be back after last week's episode. I think I'll, I'll keep this for a little bit. A reminder <laughs> that he will be back soon. Right. Uh, just to, to go over the format for today, uh, we have our devotional led by PSK in Hebrews. Uh, and then we're going to, uh, in our primary segment, talk about uh, the um, ministry, but it'll be more along the lines of like having a mentor, uh, advice that we received that was, that's been helpful in ministry. Um, so we'll be talking about those, those things. And hopefully the advice that we share uh, for those who are in ministry or thinking about ministry or just, just, uh, just a believer, it'll be helpful uh, to you as well. Um, and then in our secondary segment, we're going to, I found a pretty big Christian news. I haven't um, heard this yet. Yeah, so I'm not excited. at all. He chose to just have a very candid, so not even the headline, nothing. He has no nope. idea what this is about. Yep. So we'll, we'll react to that news segment. And then we have um, our uh, reaction to a um, Jordan Peterson. I guess he Indeed. shares kind of his, his uh, testimony of how he came to Christ. We'll, we'll uh, do a reaction video to that. And then we'll we'll close off the close out the show, so I guess PSK, if you can lead us through the devotion. All right, we'll be in Hebrews chapter five, verses seven through nine. This is God's word. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Mm. Although he was a son. He learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Mm. So just super quick, <clears throat> the significance of the character Melchizedek, mm -hmm. he comes from the Old Testament. He crosses paths with Abraham. And at this time, Abraham's name was pretty... Uh, well-known in the area, like different kings and rulers because Abraham was such a rich and powerful figure. Mm. Like they were, they were giving tithes, 10% of everything they owned and showing honor to Abraham. Uh, but Abraham comes across this king Melchizedek and he offers up uh, tithe to him. And uh, it's a very like short, but uh, it's very significant, at least according to the author of Hebrews, interaction between Abraham and this character Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hebrews expounds on the significance of this character Melchizedek. And uh, the word Melchizedek, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, it's a compound word in, in Hebrew of the words priest and righteousness. And it's this idea that Melchizedek and the order of uh, kingship uh, and priests that come through this order of Melchizedek is, uh, is, is superior to the high priest of the Jews. And so the high priest, right. basically what they did, they offered sacrifices right. on behalf of their own sins because they were, uh, they're also human. They were sinners. Right. Uh, but also for the sins of uh, the Israelites, the Jews, God's people. Uh, but the order of the priest through Melchizedek um, and there's a lot of discussion on what that means and, and, and whatnot, um, are superior to the high priest of the Jews. 
And so this idea that Jesus is a priest of uh, the order of Melchizedek is, is supposed to paint this, <clears throat> this picture of Jesus as this high priest of righteousness. Mm. Not only is he there to atone for the sins of the world and, and, his, and God's people, he is there to do it as one who is righteous, not one who has to do it for his own sins, but one who does it selflessly for others. Right. Uh, and the way he does it, because he's the, he's the high priest of righteousness, because he's the only high priest that is righteous on his own, uh, he is able to offer only one sacrifice uh, and atone for the sins of the entire world. Um, and that one sacrifice was himself. Yeah. Uh, and so if you read the previous chapter and the previous verses of this passage, you see that Jesus is a high priest who, who goes through, and we've talked about this, but he's a high priest who, who goes through suffering and mm-hmm. who endures temptation and comes out uh, righteously, uh, not caving into his temptations or the temptations of the world and the enemy. Uh, and he suffers and he obeys um, and he's the perfect priest of righteousness. Amen. That's right. It's just exalting him. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other priest like Jesus. Yeah, that's true. Amen. Um, that's why we all need Jesus. Mm. Right. Amen. Um, I guess um, going to our next uh, main topic, uh, ministry, you know, we've shared, I guess, the joys of ministry last week and two weeks ago, we shared kind of like the, uh, the unexpected things that come with ministry. Um, I think ministry is pretty tough and it's always good to have people who have been doing ministry, uh, good, uh, I guess, people to have as mentors or role models mm. um, and who can help you uh, navigate some, you know, navigate through some of the tricky parts of ministry. Right. Uh, so we like to share, I guess, uh, like mentors or role models or uh, just advice that we've gotten uh, that has helped us in our ministry today because that's what our main se- uh, segment is going to mm-hmm. be about. Right. I think kind of going along the lines of the devotional, it's kind of like comparing like the high priest to the high priest of righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody, and this has to do with what my first advice, piece of advice that I was received, mm-hmm. that I received from a mentor of mine, a discipler of mine, um, is that no one is Jesus. Right? Like yeah. no one is, no one is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, as the high priest, we're not perfect to give one sacrifice, one for all. Mm-hmm. Um, like no, no leader, no pastor, no teacher, no shepherd, no a spiritual figure in your life is going to be perfect in their leading and in right. their service. Um, and I think that's that's helpful twofold. One, like, well, well, the advice that I was given was, no man is perfect, and this individual. Uh, that I've talked about before, Pastor Mark Lee, um, he he said this over and over and over again uh, as I was going into ministry. Mm. And he was making sure that I knew this because especially for like, not just for Korean American churches, but I think like a lot of people like to elevate the position of, of pastors. And, and, and though it's important and though, yes, we've been given authority uh, through the scriptures and through the spirit of God and, and, and the authority that God has given to us, it doesn't make us um, superior. Right. It doesn't make us more important. Right. And right. definitely doesn't make us more righteous. Uh, righteousness comes through Jesus alone. Um, and uh, he was he was really pressing this idea that nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I went into it think uh, thinking like, yeah, of course, like I agree with that, and that, that's what I've been told all my life growing up in the church. Uh, but actually, many relationships it preserved that relationship because every time somebody would uh, disappoint me or or fail me or betray me or they fell short or they mm-hmm. messed up, whatever it was, it allowed me to actually remember this advice that I was given that was really engraved into you know my mind uh, through this mentor, and it allowed me to actually view them in grace and mercy, mm-hmm. and. Uh, especially for people in positions of authority, mm-hmm. people that I look up to, like when they mess up or they, they have a short temper that day or whatever it may be, it allowed me to remember this, this advice, this, this very wise uh, piece of advice and, and, uh, and show them grace and continue to submit. And so it helps personally, but also helps like with that relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's, I think, the first thing that I think of when I think about you know, advice, especially in regards to ministry. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess there are several, but the first one I like to share um, is more indirect. So when I was first starting as a youth pastor, I just re- remembered what my youth pastors were like, mm. uh, the things that they did, the things that I liked about what they yeah. did, and I tried to model that. Oh, that's good uh, to my to my, my youth at the time, because of course I'm like brand spanking new. I don't know what to do. I just remember one of our, uh, one of my um, youth pastors, he spent so much time with us, like literally like 24 seven. I still remember like back in the day, I guess this is like dating myself too, but I got the uh, N64 system and we would play WCW versus NWO. I remember uh, my youth pastor brought one of our news, um, like a new student who's like, it was, he was my grade. And it was just like, I already had a couple like uh, church friends over at the house. He brings him over with our youth pastor. And that was at 12 p.m. And we played and N- uh, WCW versus NWO until 10 p.m. Like wow. 10 hours straight. Oh I'm just like, and like it got to the point where, you know, the N64 controller, right? It looks like it's, you're like this. Yeah, and right. I, if, if my hands are not in that position, it felt so painful. <laughs> like, it would hurt. So <laughs> so I remember my mom cooked like lamian for us and we're eating and like it hurt so much to use to chopsticks and eat. But as oh soon God, as I grabbed crazy. that as soon as I grabbed the controller, oh my hands felt so comfortable. Like, all right, this is it. But seriously, ten hours straight. I just remember well, uh I'm sure, you know, <laughs> the past, he had a lot to do, uh, but he came and spent that whole day uh, with us and with the the new uh youth student just so that we can bond together. But I mean, there was a lot of like trash talking too while we play, you know, right. like just, just all for fun. Like banter, yeah. Yeah, banter, yeah, back and forth. I just, I just uh, remembered how much time he spent with me. So, I mean, I personally haven't played 10 hours of video games <laughs> with my youth, but um, that encouraged me to uh, do the same. So I would spend time with uh, my youth students all the time, just simple things, just even running errands. I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm like by your neighborhood. Uh, you want to go to Walmart? We just say hang out in the car. Mm. Uh, that same youth pastor um, never hesitated to give us rides before or after, mm. um, like meetings or church or you know whatever events we've had. Right. And that's one of the things too I, I really valued was the time I spend in the car with the youth student because, you know, like they have nowhere else to go, they can't run away from me because they're in my car, <laughs> so they're like forced to sit there and talk to me. I guess you can say, yeah. but uh, it's when. I noticed they open up a lot more because we're in a car. We're just like the two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no one else. Right. Um, and just kind of, I guess, just the intimate setting of being in a car. 
gets them more relaxed. So I've had some really good talks with the youth while driving in the car, mm. spending time with them. I've had people come over, my youth come over, watch um, the World Cup way back when it was uh, in Korea. Mm. Um, when they went to what, like the final four, right? Whatever right, that yeah. one, like my little, like a uh, seminary dorm room was like so small, but we had like 20 guys in there watching oh on gosh. the TV. We're like, got the popcorn, and, like, all those like snacks and stuff. And we're just like cheering on the cheering on Korea. Um, they they want to do that rather than watch it at church because the church was showing it. Oh, yeah, on this huge projector, very comfortable place, but they're like. No, let's just go to your your seminary dorm. I was like, all right, let's go. We took the <laughs> church van and like we squeezed squeezed everyone. And, and our senior pastor at the time was like, "You sure you can fit all those kids in your dorm?" I'm like, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so we just like had fun. But those memories, right? I think mm-hmm. um, so. Early on in my uh, youth uh, ministry, I did take a lot from uh, the pastors that I've had, yeah, uh, and try to model um, and take the good. And, and model that for for the the youth that I was serving at. Yeah, that's such a that's such a good point. I wasn't even thinking in terms of like looking back on like experience mm-hmm. as opposed to like receiving you know verbal advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my youth pastor too. Like he uh he didn't really stay long at church because uh, like we played sports and all that, and he wasn't re- he was like a he was a very like nerdy kind of guy. He liked books. He liked books. And he <laughs> likes he liked trading card games and uh, he liked D and D and Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of stuff. But like, rather, instead, what he did was he opened his house a lot. Uh, his We called her Samu, his wife. And I didn't even know that was kind of like, kind of disrespectful. <laughs> we just thought like it was a cool nickname. And she was like, yeah, you can call me Samu. And like, she was super chill too. Yeah. So we, we all had like really good relationships with uh, Pastor Terry and, and uh, Samu. And mm. um, I took that uh, as well because like, Right now, like I'm, I'm renting like a, a room in like another person's like townhome, but like I really want to actually get like my own apartment so that I can have like youth over yeah. and, and have fellowship and, and, and be hospitable in that yeah. way. But yeah, like usually Sundays are like a whole day ordeal. It's like uh, we, I mean, we arrive like really early in the morning and then we're there. I'm there for like 10, 12 hours uh, on Sundays, like just hanging out and making yeah. sure they get dinner and uh sports board games conversations oh, yeah. whatever it is uh, but yeah that's that's a that's a good one that's an important one i think and yeah. that, that's important like i think a lot of like it really does affect um like people's view i think we mentioned this in passing once before but like especially like youth pastors because the youth you know some of them don't drive uh, many of them are dependent on you know guardians parents older figures um, like the way they look up to and view and, and the examples that are set before them, um, like sp- especially spiritually, that's going to actually determine a lot of what their view on like even God is like uh, how well like fathers take care of and love and, and, and are gentle, but also firm and disciplined. That's going to affect like how your kids view the heavenly father. Like uh, I know that like for Korean Americans, like there is this unfortunate um dynamic between like a lot of first gen fathers and second generation kids sons especially yeah there's like this disconnect where fathers yeah. never say you know i love you to their kids and yeah they don't they don't they don't hug him and yeah. um for me like even looking at that like i try to um like i'm very i'm like a very physical guy and so obviously you know i can't 
I can't be this way, the same way with like my youth girls and guys. But like for the guys, I'm always hugging them. And like for guys, like I'm even like giving them like kisses every now and then. And, and like it's almost become like a thing where like they know that when they see me, they're expecting a hug. Or when they when they leave, they walk up to me to say bye instead of like simply just wave because uh, they want a hug. And, mm-hmm. and it's because like I want, I've had that kind of like fatherly care mm-hmm. from my youth pastor and um, from like uh, a uh, fatherly figures and spiritual figures in my life and like you're supposed to have like an intimate a personal relationship Mm. um that's a good one and i and i echo that one too yeah uh experience helps a lot um thinking about you know how how former pastors that that we've had and what they've done uh, their strengths and trying to emulate that um but also like i guess from time to time i didn't really have like a long-term like meet up every week or every so often mentor. But um, I remember there were some issues, um, not just in youth ministry, but just ministry in general, where uh, I didn't really know how to approach uh, the situation. And I would just contact one of my former Mm. youth pastors, explain, hey, you know, this is going on. How should I handle it? Uh, And I've gotten advice that way too. Um, My dad being a pastor, I do, right. I do. Uh, you know, uh, get advice from him. Uh, most recent one, uh, we had a, I guess, a memorial service this past uh, last Saturday. Um, one of right. our uh, elderly uh, ladies. Uh, it had been one year since uh, her husband passed away, and I had to do the the um, meal prayer. At, so I didn't really know how to approach the meal prayer because you know. It, it's hard to say like thank you god or you know bless because it's, it's kind of like a sad moment too mm-hmm. so i like uh, wrote out what i had and i sent it to my dad to see what he thought <laughs> and he read over he's like yeah it's pretty good just just read what you have i was like okay uh so it's time to time i do ask my dad for things because obviously working with mm-hmm. like next gen like youth and even ec it's not like i have any experience doing like funerals right or anything related to funerals right mm-hmm. I have some experience with weddings, but um, not much with funerals. So right. uh, presenting those kind of challenges, things I've never done, uh, I would ask my my dad too. I guess is I guess is handy having my dad be a, be a pastor right. himself and just having all the experience that he's had. Um, and, and I think one of the um, advice that are, that really st- stuck around with me was. Um, the importance of having a relationship with your people. Mm. This is uh, from your dad? It's uh, from my dad, but like every single pastor, it seems mm. like the common, they're like, that's like the most important. Or I mean, of course, like giving, uh, like preparing for sermon, all these things are important, doing ministry and that. Yeah. But having that relationship um, with your uh, sheep is important. Uh, and so it's like very intentional that we talk with everyone, you know, uh, have a relationship with everyone kind of understanding what they're going through, their past, um, you know, their dreams, their vision, like what they want to be, um, mm. all those things, uh, just have that connection. Um, and I've experienced that too. I realized the, the deeper I have a relationship with my sheep, uh, the more, it's not like this, like I'm, this, you know, the sermons are amazing, but like it hits them have, more. Sure, they, yeah. they take yeah. it in more because mm-hmm. they know that, oh, you know, my pastor cares for me. Um, I, I can, I know that, you know, he wants what's best for me. And I think 
that trust level. Right. They can trust what, the words yeah. you're saying. They could trust mm-hmm. it. So right. um it's not I can't say like one pastor told me that, but it seems like every pastor that I've run into, that's one of the things like the top uh three or four things mm-hmm. they say is so important is having that relationship. Mm. Did you have a good relationship with your dad? Um yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess like it wasn't bad, but it, it could have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was one of those like typical like first gen. Uh, you know, he's I, I shouldn't say was, but he is. He's still he's still alive. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like one of those first gen dads that um, that just like was always working. He's a workaholic. He like liked to work. That's when he. Uh, that's how he relieved the stress. Believe it or not. So I'm like, me and him wow. are like total opposites because I'm not like, like that at all. I don't think anyone's like that. <laughs> yeah, like that at all. He's just like, he just likes to work and uh, he's just, once, once he's in something, I mean, he's in it. So um, before ministry, he was in the heating and air. He was a technician. Uh, he was just like all about fixing, you know, heating and air conditioning units, uh, residential, commercial, all that stuff. He really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and then when he became a pastor, again, like all in on ministry. So he's always going on visitation he's always at church you know doing ministry related things uh so i don't remember too many times where me and him just hung out mm. i could probably count on one hand how many times we've done that mm. uh, and i'm talking when when i was growing up yeah uh but once i've grown up i guess it kind of he felt like i was a friend or i feel like my dad is like a friend no more i mean of course he's my father but mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like a friendship, like mm. a mutual respect kind of thing. So uh, now it's, yeah, it's really good. Like I just, um, I think we have a good relationship now. But growing up, I guess he was never like a, didn't really spend that much time mm. uh, with me. So I'm trying to avoid doing that with my kids. Mm. Right? I just, I like spending time with them. And Yeah, I know I asked because, you know, you have a great relationship, you know, with your two boys. Um, do you feel like, that happened because like the the closeness you have with your father happened the friendship happened because you like you grew up and like you understood like more of where it came from that too i'm sure because uh, once i got into ministry i got to see mm. i mean of course he saw a lot more at that point i'm like just starting out but mm-hmm. uh to now um yeah i can identify i can like um i know uh, sometimes he really didn't uh, like quote unquote have a choice right because mm. ministry right uh, you know um because of like it, like ministry needs so i like it helped me understand his heart more too um i think over time too he, my my dad i can't i don't know if this is for certain but um i felt like he knew there was a lot of time he didn't he was unable to spend with me mm. so it's kind of like let's kind of make up for that yeah uh, that kind of approach too yeah oh for sure my dad uh my dad as well like especially when I was younger, I mean, uh, I mean, they they immigrated over here to give us a better life, and so like my dad had to work very like physically laborious jobs. He was you know, fixing windows and doors and, and that kind of stuff. And so he, I never saw him like as a kid because like he would leave like four or five in the morning. I would go to school, and when I got back, when I went to bed at like nine, he would come home at like ten, eleven p.m. So like I, there was a period of time where I remember where I didn't, I like never saw him except for the weekends. Mm. I went to church, but even on the weekends he'd be so tired that like he would just like knock out mm. or like just do his own thing. Right. Um. And so like 
and then I, I realized like as we got older like he he started to become like very uh affectionate and like he like made an effort and it was very like awkward at first but like i think he i could tell like that he also like realized like oh like they're growing up i'm running out of time and um yeah like i remember when covid hit, my dad gave me advice and uh, this is when i knew i was going into ministry i got called and i, got, I registered i applied for uh a seminary and i was gonna go to texas for uh for seminary mm-hmm. only say they're a year but my dad during covid right when covid hit i remember like nobody knew like when like how long this was gonna go and uh the lockdown just hit my family we like went on walks like almost every single day because there was literally nothing else to do right and i remember like i really didn't like going on these walks because i hate walks like i think it's the <laughs> worst especially like it was like the summertime it was getting uh-huh. hot my but my dad he kept like asking me to go and like my mom came into my room one day and she said yeah, i think your dad really likes going on these walks with you because my dad and i we both hate walks that's why i was so confused like dad why do you want to go on these walks with me my dad and i would like break off from my mom his sister and brother because we hated walking and we would just like go like a shorter route and come back home every <laughs> single time and uh my mom came up to me and said hey like we're about to go on a walk like your dad really seems to like like these walks like why don't you go and i was like ah. and, like i reluctantly grabbed my sneakers and grabbed my speaker and we went on this walk and i remember my dad is a man of very few words uh, he's a man of action and i remember like during these walks i started to enjoy it too because i would just for the first time and, and second time and third time ever i would hear my dad like speak so much mm. and he would just drop like bombs of wisdom and like mm. one thing he told me he was like regards to ministry he said like you're a very like lazy guy. <laughs> I was like, wow. all right. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I was like, they're going this walk again. <laughs> no, but uh, he was leading up to a point. He was like, you don't like to study. He's like, he was like, I get it. Like everyone, like my dad was like, I don't, I didn't want to work either. And he was like, but and this is what he said. He said, everybody needs to work. Um, I forgot what he, what exactly he said, but something along the lines of everybody needs to work a uh, suffer a little bit uh to get fed mm. even babies yeah. they work and they cry in order to get fed mm. and i was like man like that's crazy and like it kind of like uh changed like my perspective on work uh kind of viewing it in light of like necessary suffering good suffering in order to be fed mm. and he was like even babies they cry to get fed mm. um and uh yeah i think like that's something that i'm still working on like I was never a very studious person, but like, like even like yesterday, like I was like so mentally drained. Like I was literally like pulling my hair out, like as I was trying to like stay awake, listening to this professor speak because it was my first systematic class ever. Like I'm a very big, like a biblical theology guy. I, I like, I guess sucked into like how the narrative works, how canon works and all that. Like systematic theology is hard and like i have it right after hebrew and so it's like my brain was fried <laughs> and i was like i was thinking about i was driving home and i was like man i gotta do this tomorrow for ministry and like this and like um but like um i think like it's like becoming more of like uh even like more enjoyable for me like i was telling you yesterday that i was thinking about how i was telling my friends at seminary like I actually view seminary as like a break from ministry. Like my friends thought I was like crazy and they're like telling me to go on sabbatical and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's like, I think that's advice that like I've received and many people receive like just throughout, like be diligent, yeah. uh, discipline over motivation, yeah. you know, suffer, be willing to suffer, work, yeah. 
uh, you got to be like structured for ministry. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have like a plan, like day in day out, like you're gonna get like lost. You're gonna burn out. Yeah. Routine. Yeah. Um, routine's huge. Even even in seminary, um, when we're like, uh, you know, we take like so many different classes. I I forget what class it was, but the but the professor just of course these are things that we already know, but he was just emphasizing how important it is uh, to stay rooted in the word and not get lost in the business of ministry. Mm. And he said, your sermon prep does not count as you being in the word. Yeah. Like you, you're, you're, you can't kill two stones with one, uh, two birds with one stone, but basically, right? The sermon prep is sermon prep, but you need your own QT time um, every day to keep yourself going or else you'll dry up. And I still remember that. And I still uh, keep to that. Uh, and I see the importance of that, really. Like what, like uh, if I go a day without the word, it's just the whole day is just like, just a. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a different feel to yeah. it. Just seems like something's off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel myself getting more. I guess you can say grumpy sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Comfortable. Yeah. Grumpy, lazy. Like I, I, I'm like more like, uh, like prone to to like complaining or grumbling when something happens. Uh, so staying rooted in God's word, I know it wasn't through a pastor, but a, a professor uh, stating the obvious. But I think it's something that we need to uh, hear like very often. Yeah, reminds it's so day. easy to mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, I'm a pastor. I already, you know, read the Bible X amount of times. I, I'm good. Like, no, <laughs> you need to read it every day. Just like how yep. we don't we don't skip meals, right? Yep. At least not voluntarily. Yep. Um, so in the same way. Uh, just being rooted in God's word was another um, mm. piece of advice that has stuck with me. And of course, like I knew that all along, but yeah. just hearing him say that, how important it is for ministry, that mm-hmm. the pastor is always fed. And I think we talked about this in like a, one of the earlier episodes, but um, you know, where do we go to get fed? Mm-hmm. Right. It's through our personal study of the word. Yeah. Uh, it'll be nice if we can like take a Sunday off and like go to a different church and just like sit and worship. Right. Um, but that's not something that we can do. So that means we have to be in God's word every day. Yeah, um, that's so good. That's important, right? Like, I think there's so many pastors that, like, they they substitute their, like, study mm-hmm. on, like, systematic theology and, like, philosophy. Especially and, when you're going to seminary. Especially yeah. when you're going to seminary. Yeah. Uh, like, they substitute those things for the words of God. And, like, even my systematic professor yesterday, he was telling us, he was like, no, like, philosophy and systematic theology is to supplement your reading of the words of god it's not it's not flipped no 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 and you can't replace one of the one with the other right right and uh yeah imagine like if we if we stop growing because we're we're done with our you know puberty period and growth spurt and all that and we're like i don't need food anymore like you would die (laughs) and like in the same way like you're gonna die spiritually and like it's like not even for pastors i feel like some people in the in the pews like they'll say like uh, like of course you have to be in the words of God. You're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's like it's for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I think like you were saying, like for pastors, sometimes like we get tired and we're like we get lazy and we're yeah. like, oh, you know what? Like I'm a pastor. Uh, I I sermon prep today mm-hmm. or like oh Downtown I went to seminary today. Yeah. yeah, like I went to service today. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I think that's I think that's a good one. So um, it's a shortcut. In the long run, it will harm you a lot. For sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and I guess even in my current church, uh, just there are a lot of things, I guess, that I've picked up uh, from our pastors here. Um, 
you know, our senior pastors, he's very good at planning and like very organized. The machine. And, <laughs> and, it's crazy. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good planner too, but I mean, he takes it like four or five levels up and like every to detail. every detail. It's and that, that's, that's pushed me too, though, to mm. realize, but, yep. think, think in more detail terms. Uh, generally I'm planning, oh, yeah, we'll have food at this time and then we'll do this and we'll do that. It's like very, just a uh, big picture things, just yeah. like kind of the flow of how things go. But right. even within those things, oh, this is how we should set up for food. And this is what we should do specifically. And during, I don't know, like fellowship time, not just leave it open-ended. Uh, but even uh, like uh, making signs, right? So to give an example, we had a like a like a English congregation versus uh, youth basketball game, and me and past, like PSK just took it very simple, right? Just oh yeah, just everyone called their own fouls. It was like just we just go like it's a pickup game. Mm-hmm. But our you know our senior pastor he takes it a few notches and say like hey, let's get a ref uniform, have like a official ref although i was a very horrible ref i'll, I'll admit that <laughs> but have an official ref have like a, a banner a sign um he came by this, swung by with yeah. like ice cream yeah i mean everything intentional because it was a very hot day too yep right and but then the and like have like a award like a trophy of some kind right, to give yeah. and but the thing is that helped us because uh we we're already playing next year maybe we'll have like a halftime show like where we can have other people do dances or something to keep right. the crowd going while the the teams are you know formulating their their you know strategies or like in between games because it was best out of three, mm-hmm. uh, we're thinking is it possible to even have like cheerleaders? Right, uh, we're like making it bigger and bigger, and we're thinking yeah, like MVP, yeah, a um, service beforehand, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we're kind of starting to think kind of like how the he way thinks. that he does, and yeah. it was so refining for me, like. Like, because I'm so not a planning guy. I'm like, yeah. I'm like big picture, like simply just lay out the conviction. Yeah. Like I'm very emotional. Right. So for me, it was hard to train and it still is, but like, uh, it's like a good sharpening uh, mm-hmm. to have like that kind of figure in your life. Um, to be a senior pastor, I think you need to be like that kind of, that yeah. vigorous. And, and be able to see all different parts. And yeah. that, that has stretched me too. Cause I, yeah, for sure. there are some times where I realize, oh, if, if, you know, EC does this, uh, Casey has this going on. Then there's going to be some kind of overlap. So how do I right. fix that? Mm-hmm. Or uh, I remember one time like the YG was having like a uh, like a lock-in and the plan was for them to eat breakfast at church. But then we'd have to tell the people who are making breakfast that we have extra 20, 30 youth or however right. many over that time. Up, right. So that they're not like shorthanded or mm-hmm. like so the so food isn't short. So yeah. that kind of thinking all because of me just observing our current staff, especially our senior pastor, but mm-hmm. even our associate pastor, just seeing his like humility, really humbles me. Oh yeah. Uh, the yeah. fact that he's very like faithful and he serves and, mm-hmm. and me having the privilege, I guess, of seeing him every day and let's mm-hmm. have conversations. And we have a lot of uh, funny stories that just come from just me and him in, at church, but just being around him, uh, his attitude and seeing his heart, yeah. um, has shaped me too and challenged me too to grow. Mm-hmm. So my current situation, I mean, our current situation at this church uh, has helped me a lot too. Just yeah, learning a sure. lot from every single person. Mm-hmm. So he's you so, never stop learning. Yeah. yeah. He's so faithful with like the little things. Yeah. I think that's what's so humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, really like a picture of like what ministry really is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I, I think in twofold, like we, I want you know, uh, these things to be, you know, helpful and encouraging to like, you know, our listeners, um, but also um, 
apart from like receiving the advice that we've been giving or the things we've learned uh, for, for your own personal lives, mm-hmm. uh, I hope this also pushes people to actually appreciate and even like look for uh, disciplers mm-hmm. um, and like asking people to like invest in them and, mm-hmm. and like meet up once a week or once a month and uh, grab a bite. And even if it isn't like a regular reoccurring schedule, uh, just reaching yeah. out to people and like asking, you know, for their story and like advice on like things you guys are going through and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's it's important, I think. Uh, like this is the layout that God has designed for us to have right. uh, fathers in the church. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as pastors, we never stop learning yeah. uh, through God's word, of course, but also through other pastors. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, uh, not just for those who are starting out, uh, but just all throughout your ministry, you have people that you can go to um, for advice, uh, for just encouragement, even like a mentor. Um, even uh, this may sound weird, but even having dead mentors, like Charles Spurgeon is someone that I look up to a lot. And of course, he's not around anymore. Um, but I, reading his books, reading his biography, uh, that's another way we can uh, learn too. It doesn't have to be someone who's alive. If you want someone from the past who's been around, like mm-hmm. I, I never stopped learning from Charles Spurgeon. Right. Uh, and you know what's encouraging for me is that um, as great as Charles Spurgeon was, uh, he never was able to give up the habit of smoking. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was always a smoker. And I think that just encourages me knowing that he's human. Mm. Right? And even someone as great as Charles Spurgeon uh, had his struggles. Mm. But we see how uh, he clung to God no matter what. Like, I just see that evident. I mean, obviously, I can't like ask him these things, but just reading his biography, uh, just uh, reading his sermons, all these things, I could really see how passionate he is mm-hmm. uh, about how everyone needs to come to Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. Just seeing that sense of like urgency. Um, and I try to model a little bit of that too, uh, just Charles Spurgeon. But it just, uh, I guess, comforts me yeah. that, that we're all human in the end. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. before, pastors doesn't mean that we're any better or we're like less sinful. Right. Just me, it simply means God called us and we're just responding to the calling that he has given us. And we do ministry um, you know, because God has called us, not because there's really anything uh, special right. about us. Yeah. Yep. So pastors, if there are any of you that are listening or anybody in any type of ministry setting, uh, be a discipler, right? Invest in the people in your life. Like Pastor Eugene was saying, people was saying, like, be personal, mm-hmm. uh, invest in people, uh, but also never stop learning. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, be humble. Understand that uh, we're, we're not more righteous or, or anything like that. Um, that we're humans too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> All right, this is the time. To, we move on to the bomb. Um, right. Very interesting um, news article I read. It's actually, um, yeah, today. Today, we're shooting this on, on Wednesday, August 30th, and this is the, the headline for, from today. So I'll read the headline, and I'll read you just uh, what, I'll read you a portion of the the uh, the, the news article, but it okay. says, ChatGPT, right? I think everyone knows ChatGPT by now. It's an amazing AI system where you can ask it advice. It'll give you advice. You can ask it to write a paper. It'll write a paper. 
I even saw you can ask it to to code, and it'll write code for you. Wow. But uh, ChatGPT generates fake Bible passage about Jesus accepting trans people. Christians respond. Right. So, wow. So that's the headline. Oh, and so this is the pa- this is the fake passage that ChatGPT uh, wrote. Right. It says, and a woman whose heart was divided between spirit and body came before him in quiet despair. She asked, Lord, I come to you estranged, for my spirit and body are not one. How shall I hope to enter the kingdom of God? That's the fake passage. And this is uh, continuing on. It says, Jesus looked upon her with kindness, replying, My child, blessed are those who strive for unity within themselves, for they shall know the deepest truths of my Father's creation. Be not afraid, for in the kingdom of God there is no man nor woman as all are one in spirit. The gates of my Father's kingdom will open for those who love and are loved, for God looks not upon the body, but the heart. That is the fake passage. Wow. Do we know what, like who, or like why? Oh, oh yeah, this happened because someone on Reddit, um, it explains, someone on Reddit was saying uh, that they're feeling sad uh, because of, I guess, being um, trans, mm-hmm. and so because uh, they felt sad, they asked ChatGPT ChatGPT to generate a fake biblical passage about Jesus accepting trans people. So they they asked, uh-huh. knowing that this to is do fake. this, uh-huh. oh, and even though it's fake, they're like, it brought me comfort. He said, or he or she, whatever. He, he it was a he. Uh-huh. He said. He said he knows it's fake, but it brought him comfort. Uh-huh. Reading that fake passage. Huh. And a lot of people with this fake passage have said, uh, this is long overdue because we need to be more accepting of like, be more, um, be more accepting of the, the trans people, LGBT, like Q, all, the, all that type of, um, that, that, those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying a lot of hatred has been coming from the Christian side, the right wing side, the the biblical side. Mm-hmm. So even though they all know this is fake, yeah, they're saying that this is very much needed. Did it give like a um a passage like a, did no. it cite no it's just no it, it just gave like but the, if you uh, read it you can tell what it's pulling from. That's what bit. I was gonna say. Yeah. Like like yeah. it's pretty intuitive. Like it is the fact that like if you if you knew nothing about the Bible and you didn't know that this was fake. That you you could you know actually you believe think you would think like it sounds biblical yeah, right it like mm-hmm. you can you can t- uh, there are like stories in the gospel where like mm-hmm. uh, somebody approaches Jesus with with something and they ask these literal literal mm-hmm. types of questions like how do I get into the yeah, kingdom yeah, of heaven yeah, yeah. and now uh, Jesus' response is very like mm-hmm. um, he's talking about like God looks at the heart and obviously like it's it's uh, applied to like the wrong wrong thing everything's applied wrong. Yeah, but it sounds, but it like sounds very. Yeah. It looks. It's, it's as if like AI, like the ChatGPT, like it, it brought like a bunch of different things together uh-huh. and, and to create this. And so it's interesting that it didn't just like throw up like, oh, like God says trans people are okay. No, no. It like literally. Wow, that's that's scary, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, um, <laughs> are people that are saying it's long overdue are they Christians? I don't think so. It doesn't say, but it's people that support LGBTQ. Okay, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, to like any 
you know, non-believers, you know, that may come across this. Um, let me just laying aside, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's what's God's design, whatever it is, right? Like mm. laying that aside, I want to challenge, like, you know, why you think this is long overdue? Why you think this is beneficial for your community? Because it's very obviously deceptive, right? Mm-hmm. Like even the person that is struggling, wrestling with trans ideas, ideals, he himself is admitting that he knows it's wrong and yet it comforts him. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, whether you realize it or not, you are being deceived. Like in order to, like, for example, like if you were to approach somebody and, and ask them for, uh, like, like, I don't want to give a specific example, but let's say like you ask your boyfriend or girlfriend, like, does this dress, does this suit, does this fit make me look fat, right? And they say, they look you up and down and they say, no, it doesn't. But like, you know, they're lying. <laughs> like you wouldn't be comforted, right? And like, that, that's why I'm saying like, it doesn't make sense for you to be okay with saying like, okay with being comforted by deception, something that you know is not authentic to the words of God. And so I challenge non-believing uh, people out there um, like to seek truth and to seek comfort in the truth. I promise you, and I know you don't know me, most of you, but like if, if you seek the truth or the truth will set you free right. in ways that you, are, you, you don't even know you need to be freed uh, in. And so, um, yeah. I think um, another thing is the reason why it was comforting to this person. I mean, obviously I don't know who this person is, but I think deep down everyone wants confirmation that what they're feeling is right, mm. uh, that that God agrees with what I think. Mm-hmm. So even though it's fake and it's, it looks like Jesus is accepting of trans, uh, that idea alone, I think, was what was comforting this person. Mm. So deep down, what they want is confirmation that God does accept and like that the Bible does support uh, right. trans. Um, I think because deep down inside that they, they know that there's God. Mm-hmm. Like, why else would it bring comfort? Why does the Bible have to say that in order, in order for you to feel like validation that what I'm feeling is okay? Right. It's because they ultimately know that God exists and they want the, um, the God that exists in the Bible to be okay with what they're doing, you know, um, mm-hmm. not just trans, but with any kind of sin, right? We're just, this article is just uh, taking trans, but any kind of sin. We want that, that confirmation, right? right. I, I think what you're looking for is the itching ears, right? Yep. People surround themselves with, uh, they don't care for the truth. They just want to surround, with people, surround themselves with people who will say the things that they're itching they ears want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of these, this mm-hmm. fake Bible passage. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, uh, it comes from Second Timothy. I couldn't find it. I think it's chapter three or um it's, it's a chapter in second in, in timothy mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean like know that uh and i think i completely agree like it is this on the surface it seems like oh like i want to i want my desires and and, and what i identify as to be accepted mm-hmm. um but innately like below that surface it's just it's just a desire to be accepted and loved yeah, and yeah. and uh and i'm here to tell you like 
the truth, part of the truth is that God does accept you, right? Like he wants you to come as you are and be set free. And like those changes will come, right? Like, as in like, I'm not talking about like, like you'll have freedom to to believe the things you want to believe or live the way you want to live. Mm-hmm. But like you're you're set free from like attaching your worth to these things, mm-hmm. these ideals that are deceptive and uh, by nature. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's sad that... Uh, it's it's heartbreaking it's it's scary in one in one sense um that like people are finding comfort in this yeah uh, because god promises that in the last days it will be it'll be it'll become days of godlessness where people hate the words of god and uh, it's becoming more and more you know evident that this is this is becoming our reality um yeah yeah Uh, though this one part about where it says um jesus is speaking to this this uh, this woman again. This is the fake passage mm-hmm. where it says, "Be not afraid, for in the kingdom of God there is no man or, nor woman, as all are one in spirit." Uh, I think it's taken from where Paul says, "There's there's no Jew or Greek, free or slave, mm-hmm. man or woman, female, male or female." Meaning, not that male and female doesn't matter. It means or it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It just means we all come together because because of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so ChatGPT. You know, I like you know, it's twisting these words. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if AI knows it's nah, twisting. They, these words. Yeah. they don't know. Yeah, they don't know that yeah. they're twisting it, but they're misapplying that to make it into this little fake passage. Yeah, it's a misinterpretation. You yeah, know, like misinterpretation. Uh, Paul, of, yeah, yeah, what that, what that, what AI is pulling from. Paul mm-hmm. is saying like they're all equal standing right, in right. the kingdom. Right. Yeah, there is no slave. There is no free. Yeah. Because we're all enslaved to Christ, and we're all free. Yeah. In the world and sin and suffering and yeah. all these things and so, but uh, pretty crazy how uh, that is. That I was think a good like one. what was it like a, like a few months? Well, has it been like a year since ChatGPT came out and we're all like enamored with it? We're like, oh wow, it's so great! Mm-hmm. Like it can like write papers for you, it can do all these things, and now it's like writing fake passages oh. of scripture that sounds like scripture, and people are being like, for lack of a better word, blessed. Mm-hmm. Or I, I think that's what it is. They, they feel blessed by this passage. And people are saying that we need these kinds of things. I guess they want this passage in the Bible somewhere. I don't know. Is that is that? I wouldn't be surprised if it if they made a translation and they a chat GPT translation that in there something like that. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, like look look into it yourself. Like see past the deception. mm -hmm. Uh, Like look up. um, Do you uh, is does the Bible promote you know LGBTQ uh, views? And it, you'll you'll find many contradictions within yeah. ChatGPT itself. And actually, so, like, actually, Romans one it tells us uh, the whole gay lesbian stuff is a result of us rebelling against God. Right. Right. Instead of following God's truth, we traded God's truth for a lie, and as a result of that, God let us do what we wanted to do, and the result was guys are sleeping with guys and girls are sleeping with girls. Mm-hmm. So it's not. There's no way the Bible is gonna support that. Right. It's saying it's a result of sin. That we have these kinds of wicked actions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know, like right now, trans and all this H- LGBTQ is. I guess it's always been a hot button issue. I think it's kind of kind of resurfaced again. It's a very hot, hot topic. But right. in the end, it's really a non-issue. It's just that no one wants to accept the truth as truth. They just want people to be validated that what they're feeling. Oh, I'm gay. I'm lesbian. Right to be okay even mm-hmm. amongst progressive christians which i don't understand the word progressive christians because that's just an oxymoron to me yeah i don't know maybe i'm just old and i'm old school and i no. feel that way but mm-hmm. uh it just makes no sense um i like yeah. 
Yeah, we could go on and on about this. Like this could be like a this could be a primary segment. Yes, like actually, like <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I would love to just sit down with like those uh like pastors, like not 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 to attack him, but like literally just to ask him, like how I can understand, you like, yeah, like yeah. do they are they doing this intentionally mm-hmm. or are they or are they were they you know misdiscipled, misled or. Like how can they be okay with preaching like that their sins are okay? Um, because, you know, like, uh, like even like looking at it from like, uh, st- like statistically, like people who struggle with trans, you know, desires and ideals, like these people who actually get what they want, they take hormones, go through surgery, like look at the statistics, right? Like they regret a vast it. majority yeah. of them. I'm they talking about majority. It. Statistically yeah. speaking, they regret it because yeah, they regret it. their mental health issues don't disappear. No. You know, after they go through these transitions. And no. What that tells me isn't that you were necessarily wrong. It's that you you thought this thing was going to uh, fulfill you and that this was your identity, but it's not. I guess you can say deep down it's an idol. Yeah. You wanted this idol to fulfill you, and then once you go through with it, mm-hmm. you realize uh, it's another idol. Yep. Only only God can satisfy it. Yep, only God can satisfy you. That means you. we have to uh, submit ourselves to His Word yep. and do what His Word says. Yep. Your identity is not whether you think you were supposed to be a different gender or not, mm-hmm. your identity is, is being created by God and the purpose that he has set for your life and Amen. the love that he has in store for you. Amen. Um, and so my heart breaks. It's not like, it's, yeah. we're not like condemning, like, you know, people who are struggling with trans. Oh, and, no, not at all. Uh, like it's, it's, it, it is a heartbreaking thing mm-hmm. because like you're being deceived. I'm um, sure it's a tough thing too. Yeah. Um, but what we're trying to say is we still have to, uh, follow God's word, mm-hmm. view it as truth, yep. and let that truth set you free rather than desiring for this truth to say what you want it to say. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Of course, we're going to try to like, we're going to tell you the truth straight up. It's not like we're, we're denying you your rights or whatever it is. You, you believe what you want to believe, but like we're going to say our piece because mm-hmm. if we, and this in Christian circles, this, this analogy has been uh, used a lot for especially like the gospel sharing the gospel but like if we had the cure to cancer and you had cancer and we didn't give you the cure like that would be the hateful thing to do yeah. to to just but if we're saying that the truth is going to set you free of course we're going to point you guys towards the truth right um and so it is a heartbreaking thing right um yeah i guess um that kind of relates to our video reaction um i think we talked about jordan peterson we did a couple times i think and then um, yeah. if you want to introduce the clip. Sure. Yeah. This is, so real quick, this is something that like I like to, as I drive, I listen to, I don't watch, obviously, or try not to, but I listen to YouTube videos. And I had no idea that this is the video that would show, that would play as the audio is going. And so this is a little random, but uh, I think the words and the content is what I really want to comment on, what we're going to react to. This is Jordan Peterson. Um, he um has been seeking the lord for some time now and i think he's actually concluded that he believes in the christian god and he's actually falling in love with jesus if he hasn't already and he's been very vocal in public about his journey uh, to the lord and and know that uh, dr peterson is a is a doctor uh, he's a professor of uh, psychology a uh, very very smart man wrote uh, many many books uh i think the one that's that got him very famous was a uh, 12 uh, habits, something like that, 12 something, like habits of like very successful men or whatever it is. Uh, but anyways, this is, uh, this is a video that we're going to react to. Hope you guys 
Uh, it's it's eight like, minutes, but we're gonna cut around three. Yeah, three we'll minutes, just watch so. like three of it. Really, really concentrating hard on that Mandela and, and that sculpture, and I had been working on it intensely for about three months. You know, so that's a lot of meditation on a single idea. Is he talking about this? Standing in my living mm-hmm. room, and then oh, he's talking about that. Very strange mm-hmm. experience. I, I can't explain this properly because there's no way of really describing it, but I'll do my best. So, you know, in those Renaissance paintings, sometimes you see, well, first of all, you see great cloud, great, great sunny skies with, with massive, uh, what, stupendous, impressive bills of clouds and then light shining through, the sunlight shining through in streams. Sometimes that's captured very beautifully, but especially English later later artists usually that are later than the renaissance but you see it in renaissance paintings too and you all you also see in 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 renaissance paintings especially in the earlier phase of the renaissance the sky opening up and god sort of peering forth through the clouds and that's exactly what seemed to happen to me is that i had this sense it was like a vision although i was still in my living room and knew it but inside the theater of my imagination i could feel the the sky opening up now it wasn't the sky it was i would say the only way I can really think about it is that it was something like another dimension. And then I can feel this force descent. So I think for me, like a lot of people are turned off by this idea that he's having this like vision, this very like biblical vision that you see in like prophecies and whatnot. But I think I think it's important to know like who we're talking about here. Like Jordan Peterson is a very skeptical, uh, very yeah. secular a secularly raised professor and scholar. And so like the fact that he is, you know, making this claim, I think that's a pretty bold statement that he's actually believing in this vision that he's had. Right. Um, And and, and so I think, I think just to uh, encourage people to just, just listen, like there's, there's something that he says that I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Which I think was something that, you know, would have been considered classically something like the Holy Ghost, I suppose. And it filled me with this intense sense of, 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 of paradisal, uh, paradisal, I don't know how to say it. Uh, well, it was like being in heaven for some, some, some brief period of time. And I could feel myself transformed, transmuted as a consequence of this experience. And, and it was as if I was in the presence of something that was living. You know, and I, I suppose that was an experience of God, if you want to put it that way. Um, that's certainly what it seemed like. And, and I felt that I could live that way. I could live transfigured like that permanently if I desired it. And I thought, that's good. God, I wouldn't be able to walk down the street in this sort of elevated state, let's say. I, I don't know how I would act. I don't know how I would interact with people. I don't know how people would interact with me. I just don't think that I could do it. And then I felt... Boom. What that's I think that's that's crazy that he in this at least that's saying that's he's saying like that's how he felt that yeah. and he makes this claim a lot that like if Christians truly believe even as a non-believer when he was seeking when he was studying the words of God the history the archaeology and and uh, approaching it in a very like uh, philosophical way as he does he said things like if Christians truly believed in this God that they claim to believe that it would be transformative. Mm. That and that's a non-believer saying that. I think mm. that's so profound that like yeah. he came to that conclusion. Yeah. Um and like and now he's like he's claimed to like he had a vision. He's claimed that he had a vision that he saw a glimpse of what that would be like. And he was he was he's saying he's almost scared. 
Yeah. Like he doesn't know how he'd be able to like walk in this state. Right. Um, but yeah, let's listen. He says something else here too, which is really interesting. I had descended. It seemed that as if it was sorrowful and it, and it, and it departed from me slowly. And um, with no, like with no punitive intent. And, and I wouldn't say with any dissatisfaction. It was as if a gift had been offered that I wasn't in no position to receive. Mm. And uh, I went, I talked to my wife soon afterwards. I shook for about physically for about half an hour after that. Uh, experience like like I was shaking you know like 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 you shake after a car accident if you've ever been in a car accident and my pupils were completely dilated and I had a couple of experiences like that like echoes of it a couple of times after that and so anyways that was a very very powerful experience I've certainly never forgotten that and um well you know I don't know I don't know what to think about that I mean God only knows what the world is really like, that's for sure. And I've had a variety of very strange experiences that have convinced me that we know very little about anything. So, um, so okay. All right. That's that's enough of the, the clip. Yeah. Now, what do you think? Uh, I think um, certainly, God, like, uh, I believe God still, still uses visions. Yeah. Uh, you just have to be very careful. I'm open but cautious to right. spiritual uh, things. Um, he mentioned like shaking. Um, I mean, I've had personally experiences like that too. When I first accepted Christ, um, I guess I got kind of explained it. it had to me twice. So seventh grade, I understood with my mind, the gospel mm-hmm. and it all clicked. And then when I was a junior in high school was when I knew the gospel with my heart, where mm-hmm. that connection, like yeah, I'm a sinner, Jesus died for me. I just remember that day I accepted Christ. I guess you can say the second time <laughs> uh, at the retreat, I was like crying. I, I was crying like the whole night. And then I was like laughing, this uncontrollable laughter for like another, just crying and laughing like the whole night, seriously. Uh, and wow. I was shaking even after this happened at a retreat, even after retreat, I was still like shaking. Uh, so I had these kind of like spiritual experiences um, and I would say those God uses those still too. It's not, Sure. Uh, I'm not one of those that say like all oh, all that spiritual stuff is just not not true, but I I do believe. So what Jordan Pierce, Peterson experienced here, I truly believe that he really did experience that. Yeah, it's not far fetched, right? I've done the shaking. I've never had a vision like he has, uh, but we see you know Paul go through something similar, right? I'm sure that's what it was like, like uh, sky opening up mm-hmm. and Jesus saying, "Why why are you perse- persecuting me?" Um, it's kind of showing uh, the kind of same thing happened here with with jordan peterson um and god uses that to uh, bring people to him yeah. i think that that the result confirms that this was an act of god mm. the fact that it brought him to christ yeah right yeah and his, his i think i've mentioned this before but his wife was a believer before he was mm. his wife had a near-death experience and uh she took she started to take her faith very seriously mm. and like Jordan Peterson makes it very public that like that's actually what sparked his interest in seeking after God. Even even before that experience, I think he he believed that like uh that it's very possible that there's a God because he's just such a sharp guy and he has a very objective view of of the world. Mm. But he he uh he saw the transformation in his wife. Mm. Like as she started to take her faith seriously, she saw that it changed the way that she lived. Mm. she viewed relationships her life became about serving others mm. and uh, for him that's what actually sparked and uh prompted him to actually seek after the lord mm. and uh, i think 
the last thing that he said, uh, which was very telling to me, was like this this experience that he had of being transmuted. It like left him. It departed him. Yeah. And when it did, it was very sorrowful. He says because he said it was as if a gift had been offered to me that I was not that I was not ready to receive. receive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like, wow, well, I, I don't know. It's like it's it's uh, it's goosebumps when I, every time I listen to that and I hear that. It's like that. I think that's in and of itself almost uh, like proof that like the Lord, you know, was was trying to reach him and, yeah. and was reaching him and was speaking to him. Yeah. Um, and he. He's gone to this point where like one of the smartest dudes like alive today, yeah. he's humbled himself to actually admit at the end, I've, I've come to believe that like, you know, we really know uh, very little, nothing about, you know, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just thought, you know, that was, that was really cool. Yeah. It is cool the way God, God can work in a, in a variety of ways. We mm-hmm. can't put him in a box. Yeah. So just the, like I said, the end result of this whole vision that tells me that this was truly from God mm-hmm. because it opened up his eyes. Yeah. And we talked about like um, sharing testimony as a way to uh, reach people. Uh, how do you live your life? Like, the fact that his wife, seeing the transformation in her life, uh, opened up his eyes right. to the fact that God does exist. Uh, it is. When people see our, how our lives are being transformed, it gets them curious yeah. uh, to the things of God, and right. that will that will lead them down this road of eventually accepting Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right, I believe that's it. Yeah, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Like always, like, comment, and subscribe. Share. Yep. Um, I believe we have the TikTok. The TikTok just dropped uh, earlier today, yeah. and so go watch that. Go follow the TikTok. Uh, comment on there uh, it'll just be like highlights basically of like previous episodes one every every yeah. week you'll see yeah. it on our ig the, the link to our tiktok yeah um yeah so have a great week thank you for right. joining us today we'll see you next time see you guys next time bye